Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show, divisional round weekend, four teams, two days, a few million dollars getting t- tossed out across this weekend. And we're excited to talk about it. As always, it's your regular crew. I'm Dave Lochran on Twitter at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D followed by Matt not followed, but well, I am followed by, but <laughs> you are, I'm, I'm also joined by Matt Savoka at draftaholic on the Twitters, Matt, four games, man. And some wild ones at that, a 57 point total in Kansas city between the chiefs and the Cleveland uh, Browns, a game in green Bay that I thought would have an even greater spread, but it actually just moved below seven to six and a half. I, I'm really excited to talk about this slate and really take a game by game approach and dig into everything with you today. Every single week, such exciting matchups. But when you talk about only four games and four games of this quality, and if you just break down the NFL and you ask what eight teams do you really want to see at this point in the season, you can't really ask for much more. I mean, there's so much going on. And even in that Green Bay Los Angeles game, there's so many great matchups to dig into. So I couldn't be more excited. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're happy to have you here, Matt, we're also happy to have all of you guys with us. As always, hit that thumbs up for us. And if you like the show, if you like the channel, all of the free content, and maybe you just like us or you you think we've helped you along the way, hit that subscribe button. We've cruised north of 48,000, well on our way to 50K, all thanks to you guys. So help us get there. We're going to... Not that you really care about this, but we're going to do a monster giveaway once we get to 50K. You know, sweetens the pot a little bit, right? But at the same time, when you subscribe to the channel, you know, you always know when we're live. You show up in the recommended feature, the browse feed. If you know anything about YouTube, this algorithm is a is a finicky one. And I won't even say that. It might just be, hey, let's um let's help out the the ESPNs and 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 the bigger, bigger channels. Because, well, I don't know, maybe they get paid more for that. Just a hunch. Anyway, hit subscribe. Help the small guys here. We're almost there. And the thumbs up as well. You ready to dive into this, Matt? Oh, so ready. Ready to be a big boy in the YouTube pool one day. One day. (laughs) Listen, once we get to 100K, we get that sick YouTube play button. Oh, boy. we're, we're, We're in business, baby. 
the uh, unfortunately there's nothing for 50,000 except pride and appreciation. The Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I just mentioned, I was surprised. I thought when this game opened at seven, that it would keep moving past seven, but it's actually come under seven to six and a half. I still like the Packers here. Uh, 45 and a half point total. Relatively mild weather expected at Lambeau. There's going to be snow throughout the morning. If that forecast changes, though, you could see snow during this game, which makes things even more intriguing because you've got a West Coast warm weather Rams team traveling out to the frozen tundra, as they like to say, in Green Bay. But first, let's kick it off with the L.A. Rams. Six and a half point dogs, an implied total coming into this one of 19.5. That is by far the lowest on the slate of any eight teams playing in wild card or divisional round weekend. Yeah, it is. And, you know, for all the credit that Sean McVay usually gets is this offensive guru, this genius that changed the way that the NFL offenses think about football. This is a very, very traditional playoff team that focuses on their defensive prowess, particularly shutting down the passing game with that two pronged attack of Aaron Donald getting to the quarterback and great secondary defenders like Jalen Ramsey shutting down top defenders. So if you talk about a team that they're somewhat equipped to handle, the Green Bay Packers kind of fit into the mold of a team that the L.A. defense likes to shut down. One primary receiver in Devontae Adams on the other side and a quarterback who needs to be pressured in order to make mistakes because when he's not pressured, We've seen him be at his career best this year, probably going to win the MVP. That is Aaron Rodgers. So on the Los Angeles side of the ball, you have to think that the offensive game plan is going to play into that hopeful defensive output by the L.A. Rams defense. I think Jared Goff is uh, going to be a game manager, especially with the fact that we know he's not fully recovered from that thumb surgery just three weeks ago. He was the emergency quarterback last week, and he came on. Uh, pretty well last weekend. But again, that was really all about the Los Angeles Rams defense just completely shutting down the Seahawks last week. The most exciting player on the Rams offense, looking at expected fantasy points per game, he's second on the slate among running backs and still just fifth in salary. So I really like the expected volume versus salary-based expectations there. Now, the median projection for Cam Akers as a a starting running back, but a starting running back on the lowest total team that's expected to lose. Fundamentally, we're not thrilled to play him, but I think the talent and the opportunity will be there. And I'm not excited about the passing game. So Cam Akers is my obvious first choice. Me too. And I'll tell you what, are there some concerns that maybe they have trouble moving the the, the ball through the air uh, and the Packers go up early? I, I think you made all valid points. You have Aaron Donald with the rib injury. He is expected to play. Um, and they can get to the to the to the quarterback, which which could cause some trouble. I'm still always going to personally bet on Aaron Rodgers in a game like this over sure. the defense. Uh, but all of those valid points. Again, uh, the, the big question for me is: it, it, Are they going to struggle to move the ball and fall behind early? But Matt, even if they do, I still anticipate Cam Akers being out there a lot this week, regardless of the, the game flow. And more than that so many weird things happen in football, even in the playoffs. It's not unheard of that the, the, the Rams come out here with the first drive of the game and Cam uh, Akers rips off several 20 yard runs as we've seen him do to, to start games all uh, over the past month of, of the NFL season. So uh, yes, I have some concerns about what direction this game could take, but I still love the fact that Cam Akers, 
assuming this is a neutral game script, because it could be, six and a half isn't crazy, he is going to get the, the large majority of opportunities in the backfield. Right. And, you know, just from a pure talent standpoint, you know, obviously Cooper Cup when fully healthy and Robert Woods usually take the cake here. But Cam Akers is giving them a run for for their money in terms of explosive plays over the last few weeks of the season. So I completely agree with you. Now, I hadn't even factored in the home field advantage of, and possible weather conditions of Lambeau Field. And that just adds to the difficulties of a West Coast team coming at least to the Midwest, moving east, as you said. But I still think Cam Akers, at, again, in that traditional playoff team, defense and running the football, Cam Akers really fits that mold well. And so I was hoping that the projected ownership was going to come down, but it still looks like he's the third highest uh, running back in terms of projected ownership, over 30%. So we're not alone in thinking that Cam Akers has a chance here, but I still think from usage and in terms of expected game flow, he makes the most sense by far on the Rams. Cooper Cup, um, it looks like he Sean McVay said he might not practice at all this week, but he could still play. So as plays, the problem is, and Matt, we've seen this a lot, are they used as a decoy? Are, are, are they out there running routes, but they're clearly not at full strength? Uh, you know, particularly these these injuries, he has a um he has a what what a bursitis in his yeah, knee. knee contusion or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like a wrist injury. When you're dealing with a knee injury, you know, albeit maybe a somewhat minor one, I, I do think there are some concerns there. So before we move on to Green Bay, what are you doing just to, to wrap this up with the passing game for the Rams? Because I think we all know the one area that the Packers have really been beat up this year uh, in games where they've struggled to get ahead early has been on the ground They've done a pretty good job of, of stopping opposing passing attacks. And I can't say that I'm particularly confident in Jared Goff's ability to get the job done out there at Lambeau. Right, right. And the projections and the top stacks tool on Osimo completely bear that out. The Rams are number eight of eight in our top stack probability value this week. If I'm looking at the receiving uh, options for the Rams in the top two. I do prefer Woods when you talk about Cooper Cup's injury to his knee and a player who is most effective out of the slot, which means he needs to rely on his lateral agility. That really just concerns me. Not impossible for Cooper Cup to play through this injury, score a couple touchdowns. We've seen his usage be very valuable even when injured. But if you're looking at risk management here, I think you got to go with Robert Woods, who has the exact same amount of expect his expected projection, which involves his expected fantasy points and the matchup where the Packers are actually uh, fourth on the slate in fantasy points allowed over opponent averages to number one receivers. I still like Robert Woods slightly ahead, but I think those auxiliary options, especially in large field tournaments, have a little bit of value. Josh Reynolds is the 28th highest salary wide receiver, and if you look at expected fantasy points, he's much better than that, and in Osmo, the Osmo projections this week, he's inside the top 20. So at 3,200, you could do much, much worse. You can't say it's the most exciting thing ever, but I think Reynolds or even Tyler Higbee or, or, or off-the-wall Gerald Everett aren't through absolute worst plays, especially, like we said, if the game flow goes a little bit awry for the Packers and the Rams get a little head of steam, you could separate yourself from the field very easily by playing one of those guys. All right, so let's switch to the Packers' side of the football here. Like I said, six-and-a-half-point favorites. If you like them to win by a touchdown, you got to hit this. Like, I mean, I, mm-hmm. and, and I do think they win by a touchdown. Was I a little bit concerned to see it move, you know, past the key number from seven to six-and-a-half? Yes, but – 
I still think Aaron Rodgers and company get this game. I don't have enough faith in in the, the Rams offense. And while their defense has been phenomenal last week against Seattle, uh, I think that is as much an indictment in, on Seattle's offense uh, as it is um, praise towards the Rams defense. Russell Wilson and them just really have looked broken over the past half of the season. But that's behind us, Matt. Let's start it off with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams going up in one of the toughest matchups he's going to see all season. But the thing about him is he is such a good route runner. He gets separation so easily from pretty much everybody and doesn't drop any ball that's thrown his way. It feels like you cannot stop him. Maybe you can slow him down, but stopping Devontae Adams seems like an absolutely monumental task and one that if the Rams can't figure out a way this week, they will lose this game. Absolutely. And I think that's really well said. And I can't wait for this one-on-one matchup. I I truly hope since the Rams have used shadow coverage uh, significantly in the second half of the season that we see a lot of one-on-one Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams and that they they highlight that on the screen when it happens because I think that is going to be one of the best one-on-one matchups we've seen in a long time. Now, if we look at Devontae Adams in his salary expectations, I don't mind the 8,600 salary on Drake. Number one among wide receivers on the projections this week. But then you start comparing him to the other high-priced wide receivers. And you look at the discount you can get on a player like Stephon Diggs. And we'll get to that matchup in a little bit. I, I love Devontae Adams as a talent. I think you're right on the money that if you're looking at the Green Bay Packers pulling off this game as we expect they do. They have over a 70% win probability. You have to expect some production from Rodgers to Adams here. But... He's not my favorite. He's not a priority play this week because he actually ranks second in points per game and third in fantasy points over expectation per game while being that top salary wide receiver. I think I like Diggs a little bit more. The one thing I will say is just because of that matchup, that expected shadowing from Jalen Ramsey, we're seeing Devontae Adams' uh, protected ownership dip just a little bit. He's actually fifth among wide receivers. So not to say that it's contrarian, but it it is actually dampening his ownership a little bit, which is exciting. There's so much upside there. He makes a ton of sense in tournaments and stacked with Rodgers, obviously. So, all right, let's stick with this a little bit more. Devontae Adams, you would put behind who? Would you, you, put, would you put him behind Tyreek Hill as well? <sighs> I... Mm, if they're obviously neck and neck. Let's say you're making a, let's say you're a three max player, or a single entry because in 150 max, okay, you know, it's an entirely different story. No, Devonte Adams in that situation is second behind Stefan Diggs and then Tyree kill just because Travis Kelsey is such a monster. And you know, if you look at expected fantasy points or just target share, you still see Tyree kill as the highest upside second option on one of the best offenses in football. Whereas Adams and Diggs are clear number ones every single time they go out there. So if you had to take one non Devontae Adams pass catcher, right? It can be anyone on this team. You talked about it a little bit, but if you had to take one of them, you have Alan Lazard hasn't been practicing or limited practice. He's going to play. You have Marquez Valdez, Scantley, Equinemius St. Brown uh, and Robert Tanya. And you're stacking Rodgers. What would your preferred uh, pitch? Or sorry, what would your preferred Green Bay stack be against the Rams this week? And do you really even like the Green Bay stacks? Like, how much confidence do you have in Rodgers against this defense? Because they have stifled opposing passers. I, I won't put that past them. 
Yeah, I don't feel a huge need to get there. But to answer your question specifically, it is Robert Tunyon. The Rams have been excellent over the last half of the season and especially in the last five games, stopping opposing wide receivers. And that includes secondary and tertiary options. Now, we need to contextualize that a little bit because like you said, the Seahawks were self-immolating as much as the Rams were stopping them. But in general, when you look at the advanced metrics against wide receivers and wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes, the Rams are excellent. So Robert Tunyon is the choice for me. I hate the fact that he's third amongst tight ends in salary on DraftKings at 4,200. But still, that's very different than talking about third and wide receiver salary, a third and running back salary. That's a significantly smaller investment at 4,200 on DraftKings. I, I'm going there. I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, but Tunyon is sixth in expected fantasy points, second in fantasy points over the last five weeks. And the Rams are just about league average and slate average as well, guarding tight ends. So I think that's the slightly better matchup. I also want to add that I'm not afraid, uh, again, not a huge priority, but I'm not afraid to stack Rodgers and Jones and just say, hey, I know that the Packers are going to win this game. I'm sure that we're going to see three to four touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure that 60-plus percent of them come from Rodgers or Jones. All right. So time to talk about the backfield a little bit more, Matt, and this has been a difficult one. (laughs) It really has because as good as Aaron Jones is, we saw A.J. Dillon come in the one game that Jamal Williams was out. I remember that was a showdown slate, and A.J. Dillon went nuclear. And 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 Brown, or sorry, Jones still had a good game. Uh, it was just Dillon did the war, did uh, hauled most of the the carries. But now you've got Jamal Williams, who is you know perfectly healthy. He played in Week 17. He should be expected to get mixed in a decent amount. The question is how much. And when you take a peek at, at Aaron Jones' ownership here. I think people are kind of I, – I think you might see an over uh, – or, or too, uh, too many concerns when it comes to how involved Jamal Williams is going to be because Aaron Jones – I got, actually, you know what? Since we last updated his ownership, it is now up. So it's at 25.9%. It's higher than I thought it was. But he's $6,800. Could this be an Aaron Jones game that we've seen where he has three touchdowns and 150 yards? Absolutely. Why not? Especially when you just talk fundamentally about what we expect from this game. If the Packers are not implied by Vegas to have that many points, but they are way, way up there in terms of win probability, then just fundamentally, we want that starting running back from that team. Now, if I look at usage, it has been variable over the last couple weeks of the season. As you said, A.J. Dillon got season and Jamal Williams always seems to be worked in more than fantasy gamers want but we still see Aaron Jones ranking in the top six in expected fantasy points at his position and he has over two and a half fantasy points scored over expectation per game that said the salary is tough for me I really think that he's overpriced compared to the usage and the the confidence in that usage I will say though This is one of my blind spots where the usage doesn't exactly match up versus salary-based expectations, but Jones has been extremely efficient on his play. If you look at the efficiency added to expected fantasy points, he basically is at Cam Akers level. And I just gushed about Cam Akers when talking about the Rams. And Aaron Jones is in, as we said, a better situation from a game flow standpoint. So like I said, I think I might be contrarian and stack Rodgers and Jones if I'm doing like a three max Uh, But I don't mind uh, 
<laughs> I think I want to make a strong stand on Jones and say that I don't want to play him at all, or I really want to lean in and say that the game flow works in his favor and that most people are going to look to Rodgers and Adams, and I just want to move away from that. So Jones is a great pivot. So who would you say your top options are from this game, Matt? It's still Devontae Adams. I know I just talked. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk myself in circles about it, but I still think when you look at a player that man I think he's the most talented wide receiver in the game right now I know Stefan Diggs has something to say about that but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on a completely different mind meld level than the rest of the league in my opinion and I frankly want to see him succeed against Jalen Ramsey I think it would be great we'll do something a little different since it's a postseason show and we only have one of these left after today Matt give me your score prediction and the total prediction the total's 45 and a half points right now temperature is going to be this is, mind you, this is a day game, which sucks. I would have loved to have seen an 8 p.m. game, you know, get cold out there. It's going to be around 33 degrees, might have some snow. Um, and the spread, again, is six and a half points. Yeah, I actually have the over a li- just a little bit. that I put 27-21 Packers over the Rams here. Okay, 27-21. All right, so you have the Rams just bear- covering by the hook and the total coming over a little bit. I'm going Packers and under. Um, I, I, I just, fair. yeah, but again, I, I'm looking at like a a 24-21, sorry, sorry, 24-17 game here is what I say. I, I just don't have any faith in the Rams uh, offense. And until they prove me wrong, and if they do, I'll be willing to admit that because, well, the score will be right there. All <laughs> right, let's talk about Baltimore and Buffalo. Here's a game I'm having a bit of a tough time with because the Baltimore offense has been – kind of enigmatic all season long. They're not what they were last year. And then you come into the thinking, oh, my God, it's happening again, Matt. You know, it's it, it, albeit Derrick Henry's bad game, it looked like it was happening again early on. 10 nothing start for Tennessee. And then they petered out, and the Baltimore Ravens end up getting a win in a low-scoring game that cruised well under the total. The Baltimore Ravens are two-and-a-half-point dogs in Buffalo, 50-point total. And uh, if you're wondering about the weather in this one, since it does get pretty cold in Buffalo too, shouldn't make a huge difference from Baltimore to Buffalo, but 29 degrees, 13 mile per hour winds right now. Yeah, I saw that. And you know what they usually, the analytics people, they say that 15 miles per hour is that threshold that we look for. But if we're expected 13 miles per hour, that means there's going to be a few gusts here and there. There's a possibility that a ball or two gets blown in the air and we, we see a little bit more variance in the play of these especially Josh Allen, who we expect to be passing a lot in this game. At this point, I'm not particularly concerned. Yeah, I, 
as you said, I thought we were going to see the Ravens uh, implode once again. And it kind of felt like once Lamar Jackson got free into the secondary and he realized all he had to do was turn on the Jets for that 48-yard touchdown, everything just fell off of his shoulders. And the rest of the game, he really settled down. The defense played excellent. The Tennessee Titans uh, predictably did not change their game plan whatsoever when they went down. I've been saying this a ton. When when you get the Titans down, they don't change their game plan at all. And right. so I don't understand why Arthur Smith is getting all these all these calls for head coach. I didn't see any innovation whatsoever, especially last week when Derrick Henry just got run into the ground without any effectiveness whatsoever. Get I digress. the Titans down and they will very simply like if you get the Titans in a hole, it is so tough for them to get to, to dig themselves out of that hole. Uh, it, run, run, pass, play action, run, pass, yeah. run, we run. We saw it pass. against Green Bay yeah. just a couple of weeks ago too, Matt. Remember they're running on second down, down by 20 in the third quarter. What are you doing? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's why that's why the Ravens are in the set are into the next round and the Titans are despite the t- a ton of talent on that Titan side of the ball we got to talk about Lamar Jackson playing at some of his most efficient level that he has since that MVP season last year he's over four points over expectation per game over the last five weeks and he's second in fantasy points per game during that same span now you're talking about uh defense in the buffalo bills that although they're a defensive minded team they have not been that special guarding opposing quarterbacks so i think lamar jackson especially when i saw that ownership he's sixth among quarterbacks with just a, a sub eight percent projected ownership compared to the slate breaking upside that he has i'm thrilled to play Lamar Jackson as a contrarian in quotes play this week, even without a stack. I really, really like Jackson against the bills, especially if you think this game has shootout probability, which in my matchups column that comes out later this week, I said that this game looks like one of the, one of those games where I can't believe it's not the highest total game. I understand why Brown's uh, chiefs is, but boy, this has really, really high over potential in this game. Would you say Lamar Jackson is your favorite quarterback on this slate? Because there are, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. There's a lot of good ones. I wrote in the column that you cannot go wrong with Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson this week, especially when you're talking about, as I said, a game that is not the highest total on the slate. And these two quarterbacks are far and away the engines that make their offensive run. I love Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'll say it. He's my favorite quarterback on the slate, especially (laughs) when you include that ownership projection sub 8%. That's really exciting for me. Matt Savoka taking a stand here on the Thursday matchup show, which by the way, his matchup column totally free over at awesome.com. I would urge you, actually, I, I would command you to check that out. It's awesome. It is free. Uh, it's super in-depth, and it is a great way to get started, really, and finished with your research. Supplement it with this show and whatever else you like to do on your own. Use our projections, our ownership, all of that stuff can be found at Awesomeo. If you wanted to check out everything else we have, go to awesomeo.com slash join as well. Ownership projections, the best out there, player projections, the top stacks tool, which you will hear us reference throughout all of our shows, the boomer bus tool for, for bad. The lineup. And they have it for football now. It's awesome. The boom bust football tool is yes. just tremendous. It's amazing. It's very new, but it's super cool. Uh, the 
I'm telling you, just go check it out. You can do a weekly pass if you wanted to. You can do an express weekly pass for less than $4 where you get um, all of our showdown content. You get the express top stack tool, the express lineup builder. I think the best bang for your buck is going all out monthly, right? Because we have, if they have contests on DraftKings and FanDuel, we have content for it. Uh, all of these tools created by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Alex Baker, Osimo himself. And these are tools that he's used. He does use every day to win a lot of money. So I think the monthly all access is, is so sick. MMA, PGA, NASCAR, League of Legends, NFL, MLB, NBA, like everything out there, we've got you covered. Soccer, tennis, there's so much, Matt. But uh, check it out. You could do annual too if you're in for a long-term commitment and you just want to plug yourself in and look at it as an investment, which is exactly what it is. Go to awesome.com slash join. And if you have questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and I'll be happy to answer those questions. But don't send me five different lineups 10 minutes before lock and be like, which one do you like? You know, I get that so often. I, I can't respond to all that. Anyway, Matt, um, what do you make of the run game for Baltimore? Well, you know that that's how they prefer to play. You know that an explosive rushing game is basically the Ravens ticket to a victory for the most part. And if you look at the the matchups column that you just so gracefully uh advertised for me there. I actually do have a chart for every game that talks about expected passing and expected pace of play. And every single week, we see the Ravens towards the bottom left, which means they aren't fast paced. They don't throw a lot. And on early downs, they prefer to rush the ball as you would expect. And yet every week, I call them the exception to this rule where we expect passing and pace to also equal fantasy points. We know that the Ravens more so than any other team in the playoffs or really in the NFL can create explosive rushes with their quarterback and with the option game. J.K. Dobbins is just a force of nature. And although Gus Edwards continues to get high value, J.K. Dobbins, yes, the median projection is never going to look fantastic because we know so many rushes are going to either Edwards or, of course, Lamar Jackson. Just if you look at his explosive playability and his fantasy points scored over expectation, he's almost six points scored over expectation over the last five weeks of the season. That's second among all running backs. I think he's a great contrarian option, especially if you think that the Ravens either win this game or keep it close the entire game, as I do. I think J.K. Dobbins is one of those awesome tournament plays at $6,000 as a discount from those very, very high price options at the top of the running backs. Now, if you're looking at favorite skill position, Raven, I still think it's Mark Andrews. Uh, the, the Bills have not been good against opposing tight ends. They're actually second worst on the slate, giving up three fantasy points allowed over opponent averages. And Mark Andrews already has the third most expected fantasy points and points per game amongst tight ends on the slate. So I think the tight end two salary is really, really strong, especially if you're looking for salary saving somewhere and you can't get to Kelsey. Andrews is a really, really safe option with, of course, a really high ceiling as well. All right. The only strange thing about Dobbins for me is I don't understand how he is priced so closely to, to Chubb and, and more expensive than Cam Akers just given the, the overall lack of volume there. But it is, I suppose, a better matchup. Uh, and I could see, yeah, I, I could see the, the ownership playing a big role here because all of those other guys uh, in the similar price range are getting a ton of ownership. Dobbins is coming in around 3% right now. That, I'm with you, is, is difficult to, 
to, to overlook altogether, especially on a four-game slate and large field tournaments. Uh, you yeah. want to move on to Buffalo? Yeah, I just want to say Marquise Brown, for all the complaining he had about not getting the ball, has actually been quite efficient since week 13. Uh, if you look at the efficiency in terms of fantasy points scored over expectation, Marquise Brown demolishes the rest of the Ravens receiving crew. I think he's a solid bet as the 11th highest wide receiver. Not a priority play, but absolutely fine going there at 5,200 on DraftKings. So Stefan Diggs, just a monumental uh, final month and a half to the year. Him and Cole Beasley are questionable here, but there's no reason to suggest that they're not going to play. Uh, kind of par for the course here for Beasley, and Diggs should be fine. Played through this quote-unquote injury last week as well. Um, you know, was it a huge game from Josh Allen? Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, it was. They only scored, they scored 27 points, which is, you know, for most teams, really great. For Buffalo, it's like, yeah, you know, another week. Uh, two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, 324 yards against a good, solid Indianapolis defense. My biggest question to you here is, will Baltimore be able to hold up against Josh Allen? And uh, what do his prospects look like for you at that um, $7,400 price point? Yeah, I'm totally sold. I know I just uh, came out and said Lamar Jackson's my favorite quarterback, but the reason I was holding back is because of Josh Allen. I mean, it, it number one in expected fantasy points, number one in points per game uh, over the last five weeks of the season, and he's number three in salary. I'm going to say it again. Number one in expected points, number one in points per game, third in salary. It really is that simple for me. And Stefan Diggs, number one in wide receiver expected points per game, number one in points per game over the last five weeks, third in salary. I don't even care what the ownership is. I'm sold on this duo. Number two in our top stack probability value. There's so much to like here. Uh, Diggs, I mean, there, there's been so much said over the last few years about Stefan Diggs, his character concerns, all this stuff. And you know, as a football fan, I can't think of a player I like to watch more than Stefan Diggs dominating on the football field. And then when you look at the 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 meta of it, how that first round pick turned into Justin Jefferson and he's killing it for the Vikings, there's so much good that came out of it. And, you know, obviously turned Josh Allen into this next level elite quarterback. I want at least one more chance to bet on this duo, especially in a game where I think could easily hit the over, even with that 50 plus, 50 plus point total. Justin Jefferson killing it for the Vikings is not a good thing, Matt. Is, as a matter <laughs> oh, of fact, oh, I'm sorry, way, Mr. Rager in Philadelphia. It's actually the worst thing that happened in 2020. So, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry to hit a sore spot. I didn't think about it in that terms, but I yeah. love that video. Sorry, sorry to rub salt on the wounds, Dave, <laughs> but I love that video of the Vikings war room at the draft. Don't, don't, I don't want to just freaking out that they picked Rager instead. It's like when your buddy picks like a third round pick in the first, you're like, wait, the wait, Eagles have done that on so many occasions. It's just <laughs> gross, man. But here we are. Um, I, I think one of the big things here too, is when you look at Buffalo's ground game, Zach Moss is on the injured reserve. And while I, while I never have any faith in McDermott to, to go out there and go with a run-heavy approach, and I don't anticipate that being the case here either. I do think that Devin Singletary is at a price that's going to be very difficult to overlook on a slate where you have Tyree Kill, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Travis Kelsey. Those are just a few of the names, not including having to pay up for a, a Lamar or a Mahomes uh, or, a, or a Josh Allen you know, or an Aaron Rodgers. 
that is really difficult. And uh, in the three games early in the season that Moss mixed, uh, missed, sorry, Devin Singletary had 13, 18, and 11 carries and 12 combined uh, targets. So what, four targets per game over that stretch. Uh, and one of those games, they got blown out. So his target share or his, his carry count was definitely going to be affected by that. Right. I, I think at 4,500, there could be a lot of value here, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's too chalky or not. He's clearly the best value play just in terms of what type of volume are you expected to see? Yep, just be just be safe about the way that you play him, but there really isn't a player like Singletary on the slate where you say, hey, with the usage that we're really expecting for Singletary with Moss out, he's just fundamentally mispriced, underpriced compared to what we expect. It's not even and, that chalky. He's like 28% on a four-game slate. That really surprised me too. I figured he'd be close to one running back one in terms of ownership. But like you said, I think he's fourth right now in our projected ownership. Now that may change as we get closer to the games this weekend. But yeah, like you said, I actually, in my matchups column, I included the expected fantasy points for backup running back Antonio Williams, who he may get called up from the practice squad again because of Moss's absence. But really, I included it from his week 17 output to show just how valuable a Buffalo running back who got a full workload would be. If you include all of Zach Moss's expected fantasy points to Singletary's expected fantasy points, you get the third highest value running back on the entire slate. And when, now you're talking about a running back who's outside the top 10 on DraftKings in salary. It's just a complete value play there. You know, he doesn't really have to explode for him to be a solid play. There are going to be situations, expect, especially large field tournaments, where you're going to want to do something else other than Singletary. But Again, we don't have to be too concerned about that because the ownership isn't as bad as I thought right now. It's not. I thought he'd be upwards of like 45%, honestly. Yeah. Like just an arbitrary number. But like I played enough DFS to know that usually these guys are are very high owned. And maybe, like you said, maybe it does come up throughout the week. There's still a lot of time to see if that happens. Okay. So anything else for this game? And like, who are your top plays from Buffalo and Baltimore? Well, I just wax poetic about the combination of Allen and Diggs. I love the stack, even though it's going to be chalky, even though it's the first place you think when you think, how am I going to play the Bills? I think there's incredible value there, especially when you talk about them relative to other players' salary being third and their respective positions. I also want to say that Cole Beasley has the same amount of expected fantasy points, just less than Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, just, just infinitesimally less though. So that just shows you the value overall of the Buffalo Bills passing game compared to other teams, especially the Ravens who have one of the least, uh, the least volume of passing games in the league. So Cole Beasley's overall value when you compare it to other players in this game is really, really strong, not a priority play, but at the 13th highest wide receiver salary, I think he is a value compared to the expected usage. And even though John Brown basically had a zero last week, I not still basically. Think, <laughs> he did uh, it was really, really tough to see him underperform so much, but I still have faith. I still think he's my third favorite wide receiver and my fourth play, favorite Bills skill position player, but I still think he's a solid tournament option. All right. Bills, two and a half point favorites, 50 point total. What do you like here on the total? And You're not going to believe this. I think Baltimore wins. Really? Outright. 30, okay. 31 30. I think we have a, a team with a a slight bit of experience with the, that got the monkey off their back. And the, not to say that Josh Allen will do this, but I can see a lot of scenarios where 
just the Baltimore defense forces turnovers or something goes awry for this young team. I, I hope I'm wrong for Bill's sake, Bill's fans sake, because they have an amazing team, but that's my upset pick of the week. I like it. Very basic approach I'm taking here, but uh, similar to what I'm saying with green Bay, can you stop Josh Allen right now? Like that, that's really the biggest question. Can, can this offense be slowed down? Can it be contained? I don't know. Uh, I don't feel confident on either side of this one, but I, I'd say Lamar Jackson is, I, I think Buffalo's going to score points. Like, I, lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You might see some mistakes from Josh Allen. It's very possible. But they're firing on all cylinders right now. I, I think that Josh Allen is going to score points. I mean, is Indy's defense that much worse than Baltimore? Baltimore is good at ball hawking. I know that they can get turnovers in a jiffy. I would say get... Indy's defense is better than Baltimore's. Right. right. So if that's the case, uh, I just think Lamar Jackson's going to need to keep up here. And, uh, and that's a tough ask because, quite frankly, his few postseason games haven't exactly been sterling either. But we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go Buffalo, Matt. I'll go on the other side of this one. I give him a field goal. This is, but again, this isn't one I feel great about. I, I think this is basically a, a toss up. Uh, and I think this game goes over as a matter of fact, uh, because We're agreement I, there, you like the over here. Yeah, I do. Usually the favorite and the under, but when you're talking about two and a half points, I'm not really worried about that. All right. Two up two to go Cleveland and Kansas city. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, 10 and a half point road dogs with a ready for this 57 point total. Uh, the only real news here, David Njoku is uh, questionable, not practicing. He played like 77% of snaps last week, but only one target, a lot of blocking. They run a ton of 12 personnel. What are we doing with Cleveland coming off that just that win where they embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers and people won a lot of money stacking that game in its entirety? Yeah, and I think I saw a Twitter thread, and I, I this is like an old trope with the Steelers' defense at this point where they guard slot wide receivers with linebackers and look completely silly. And part of it is because they have very advanced schemes, blah, blah, blah. They, they have a lot of audibles at the line of scrimmage. I don't care. Just watching Jarvis Landry annihilate middle linebackers on third and two. I mean, if you're living anywhere near Pittsburgh, I'm so sorry for you guys because it just made no sense whatsoever. And that fourth and one call where they decided to punt when they had all the momentum in the world, I know that's a that's a bogeyman word in the analytics community, but they were they were thriving in the second half of that game and they completely destroyed it by that terrible Brutal. fourth and one punt call. I digress. The Browns are still playing really, really strong football, and they're forced into these shootout-type environments because their defense ranked 23 out of 32 teams in the regular season in expected points added allowed per play. So Baker Mayfield, along with those two fantastic running backs, basically have to score a ton of points, and we we can't say that more when they're playing the Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs have not been at their 
absolute best over the last five weeks of the season. Part of that was the fact that they basically had the number one seed locked up three weeks before the season was over. And the fact that they were dealing with injuries basically all over the place, especially at the running back position. And they didn't play their starters in week 17. But when you look at the efficiency metrics of the backs in the playoffs, I was shocked to see Patrick Mahomes near the bottom of drive efficiency, per pass efficiency, and per play efficiency. Actually, Baker Mayfield, since week 14, ranks better in all three of the metrics that I look for in per drive and per play efficiency. So I'm really shocked at the way Patrick Mahomes is playing relative to his usual elite play. He's still a top 10 quarterback in basically every metric you look at. So again, I'm not calling for an upset here, but I do think that Baker is a great big underdogs because I think there is just a ton of scenarios where they keep up with the Chiefs, but still ultimately lose the game. I like Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry as my favorite skill players, but I'm absolutely fine with Nick Chubb as the third highest value, third highest salary running back. And sixth in expected ownership. I really like that. Uh, Less than 20% projected ownership right now for Nick Chubb. And I I think it's just too low. I I think they're going to lean on him a ton. And yeah, those are the three that I really, really lean on for the the Browns. We're on the exact same page here. And, you know, one thing I love about a Brown stack uh, is clearly not that I'm going to have a heart attack while watching this game because stacking Baker Mayfield is never something that's going to be comfortable. It's like playing Francisco Liriano in baseball. You just turn the game off, go do something, come back and see if he finished with negative points or 30 Baker Mayfield (laughs) in the same vein is similar in that there are going to be some really bad games from him, but he might. Okay. So a couple of things, is he just going to be forced to throw? It's possible. And if that's the case, and, and I don't mean throw because they can't move it on the ground. I mean, because Patrick Mahomes is you know, the, the, the best quarterback that we have seen in, in at least a few years uh, over, you know, since he took over the starting gig in Kansas city, I don't see a way that Kansas city is, or that, that Cleveland is able to stop Patrick Mahomes. And I know I use this, this same logic for a few other teams, but tell me, how do they slow him down? You know, they got a big win with, with like 80 plus points, total scored last week between them and the Steelers. But Ben Roethlisberger threw for 501 yards. They scored 37 points. There is no garbage time in, 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 in uh, the playoffs. Like it, it, this was not Cleveland just saying, all right, give them some points, give them some points. The Steelers came back and were knocking on the door a couple of times, but could not slow Cleveland down on the other side of the ball. So when I see that they were just absolutely ravaged, I get the 57 point total number one. And number two, I think that 7% ownership on Baker Mayfield uh, could turn into a really, really great thing. Uh, do we know – Denzel? okay, so Denzel Ward is supposed to play. That's, that's one thing. But still, it's Patrick Mahomes. I love the idea of stacking Mayfield and then running it back with – run it back with two Chiefs if you want. That's going to open things up. It's really difficult to do Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, but – I made a few lineups with Baker Mayfield and say Jarvis Landry and was able to get Hill and Kelsey on the other side. There's a lot of things I like about this game. Hey, I had that exact 
idea in my notes here. I, I really like it, especially as a salary saving option. Like we said, there's Devin Singletary as this value running back. But when we look for value plays, clear value plays, there aren't a ton. So any way we can save salary to get to these high priced receivers that we want, whether that's Diggs or Adams or Hill and Kelsey, like you said, I think that Baker Mayfield fits the bill. Now, if you look at trying to stack Mayfield with his own receivers in top stack probability value, they're six of eight. They're, they're not super exciting. And Baker Mayfield has had positive weeks, but that volatility ultimately ends up on the negative side. He's scored almost two points under his expectation per game. That's sixth among quarterbacks in the, on the slate. So he, he's not exciting when you just look at opportunity and then expected efficiency. But I do think that the Chiefs defense is going to – is going to give up points here and there's going to be ways to attack this. I still think Kareem hunt as the 10th highest salary running back. And you know how much usage he's probably going to see in the passing game. I think he's a great bet as well. Eighth and expected fantasy points at the position and almost five points per game scored over expectations. And the chiefs are second worst on the slate against opposing running backs since week 14. So Chubb or hunt, I think are really solid plays as well. Man, this game's going to be insane, isn't it? You better uh, get some players from this. I don't know if you're a, a DFS player this weekend and you're not. I know we just said that Baltimore-Buffalo is a build-around game, but this is awesome. It really is. And look, Baltimore-Buffalo might be a build-around game, but the, the difference is that like another game could be as well. right? <laughs> Never get caught up too much on one game because it can get you in some serious trouble. You can see Baltimore and Buffalo score 58 or you know, 55 total points, and some of these guys have big games, and then this game kicks off and and wipes all of those top scores out. Meaning, say Stefan Diggs has twenty five fantasy points, and then Tyree, and you're, you're thinking, oh god, why didn't I go them? And then Hill comes in and has thirty eight. That's what can happen, and we saw that happen with that night game between the Steelers and the Browns. I think you could see a lot of that again with Kansas City. It's just so tough to look at Hill and Kelsey who is a a wide receiver at the tight end position, you know, one of the leaders in receptions and yards and touchdowns this season and not just fall in love with these guys. The problem is if you want to go with Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill, it's possible. I built a lineup doing that yesterday on the ownership show with Matt Kajewski and Kyle Dvorak. You're going to be funneling yourself into a very similar lineup uh, construction than a lot of other people that are trying to do that, that same thing. Hey, that's a great point. And as you were just saying that, the other thing you can do is if you set up a lineup that has Hill and Kelsey or Hill or Kelsey, and then you see that after the first few games, it really doesn't have a chance of finishing strongly. There are a lot of great pivot options, late swap options you can do to Buccaneers receivers because that game is later. So I think that's that's an added bonus of making lineups with Hill or Kelsey. Not only do we see such high shootout probability, and of course it's the highest total game on this small slate, but then there's also late swap strategy options. If the first people in the the Saturday games don't perform up to expectations. So what are we doing? Well, it's hard to just do what we normally do as usual with Patrick Mahomes on the slate. He's number one in our top stack probability tool as he has been, I believe every single week that he's been on the slate. So Travis Kelsey, we've never really seen a tight end used at this level. Of course, when you look at expected fantasy points, he absolutely demolishes the rest of the players. I I was shocked though. I will say that second in this matchup is not a Kansas city chiefs player. Again, this is over the last five weeks, including the playoffs. 
it's Austin Hooper. So I know there's there's been injuries and and that might just be a small sample, but he has more than Tyree Kill. Now, of course, I still like Tyree Kill as the second best skill player option on the Chiefs, but there is a little bit of downside there. He's actually fifth in fantasy points per game since week 14. And the Osmo projection have, has him slightly below salary-based expectations. Now, we have to talk about this, and this is why the boom-bust tool is so fantastic. I was going to I was, I was hoping you would take that direction because Tyreek Hill is not your average wide receiver. Yeah. We know that the boom for Tyreek Hill is different for every single other boom. Maybe uh, maybe Julio Jones has something to say about that if fully healthy. But the, the idea of not having some Tyreek Hill stacked with Patrick Mahomes in this game in a small field tournament I just don't understand how you wouldn't do it. So I know I said great things about Adams and Diggs, but I will have combinations of Hill and Mahomes, no doubt about it. Okay, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, it, it looks like he should be able to go this week. Appears to be trending in the right direction. Uh, Le'Veon Bell joined the squad around midway through the season, maybe a little after that. I don't even remember at this point. He didn't have a huge impact. Uh, do you like anything from the ground game? But actually, before we get there, Matt, let me just ask you about this. Some of these tertiary options. Uh, Sammy Watkins still isn't practicing, by the way. So maybe he practices today, but they've had a long time for him to recover, and, and it still appears that he is not in tip-top shape. If that's the case, uh, do you like any of these guys, whether it be Miko Hardman? Um, it's, it's ugly, right? It never feels good to run out uh, Robinson, but I, I feel like this could be a way with a Demarcus Robinson or a Miko Hardman to, to maybe potentially still get that Kansas City exposure with him home stack, get one of Kelsey and, and Hill, uh, and, and hopefully hit on one of those guys that has like a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, I actually think I like that, stacking Mahomes with those auxiliary options more than I like the running game. You're you're saving salary, first of all. But like you said, Sammy Watkins is no lock to play. Uh, what I do in my matchups column for these auxiliary options, if you go down to the bottom of each matchups page, I create what's called an opportunity score, which uses expected fantasy points, like I always talk about here on the show, and some advanced metrics that I talk about in the data deep dive, like true weighted opportunity share, and just creates a score out of 100. And Sammy Watkins not only had an 82% snap share, but he had an opportunity score of about 40, 100 being someone like Devontae Adams or Stefan Diggs. So if you put that into Nicole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson, you suddenly get opportunity scores above 50. That's starter level for both of those players. So I like Hardman just for that big playability. It feels like a solid pivot off of Tyree Kill, but really only if Sammy Watkins doesn't play. The problem with these three receivers is that they kind of all cannibalize each other. If there was just one auxiliary option from the Chiefs, we would be all over that player. But the bottom line is the Chiefs tend to consolidate a ton of their production around their top two playmakers, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Uh, the, the other thing I will say, and then the bottom line from the Chiefs side of the ball is I just want Patrick Mahomes and his receiving options from this game. I'm not going to spend time with the running backs. I know there's a possibility that they could go off, that they could plunge into the end zone. I just don't feel confident enough betting on this team and therefore the running game. I'm betting on Mahomes and therefore his receivers. I would love to be at this game. I would oh. just absolutely love it. Kansas City or Arrowhead Stadium, they're allowing around 16,000 fans in. So 22% of the normal capacity. And apparently from what I'm seeing, online ticket sellers 
are saying that they're, they're that you should be expecting a lot of Cleveland fans there. So, you know, this is the first time they've gone. When's the last time they've been this far? They, they made the they, the last time they made the playoffs was oh two. The last time they won a playoff game, I think, was nineteen ninety four. Matt, so you know, I was seven years old. Uh, we're not the health and safety police. Everyone's got to make the best decision for them. But if you're a Browns fan and the risks are worth it for you, I I, I agree with you just as a fan. That's all I'm oh, going to say. As a fan. Shit, dude, I'm going to that game. Come on, <laughs> you're, you're there, man. I get it. It's 16,000 people spread out in this, what, 70,000? Come on. If you get a chance to go to that game, you go to that game. Put your I'm mask on. I'm not smart on. enough to know. I'm not smart. I'm, that's why I'm glad I'm a DFS analyst. But, oh, just from a football fan perspective, that's yeah. just awesome. Put your mask on, enjoy yourself, <laughs> and watch some football. Do you think um, Do you think that the – oh, yeah, well, I'll ask you this. Do you think that the, the Browns cover? You said you think they don't upset, but I assume that it sounded like you're saying you think they cover. I do. I think they cover and the Browns win. I think – I know it's a crazy high total. I think the over is still a solid bet. I still think that these two defenses have no idea the offenses that, or at least the offensive capability of both sides. Again, that's a huge credit to the way Baker Mayfield has played down the stretch because we would not have been saying that in the middle of this season. But I have the Chiefs still winning, but the Browns scoring 24 points. Chiefs 31, Browns 24. Chiefs 31, Browns 24. Actually, that's that's the under right now, but I, that's not what my heart says. That's that's just what does your under. heart say, dude? My heart says the over. My heart says the Chiefs are going to hit that thirty-three implied total. You think so? Huge, yeah, I think there's a great bet. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I was thinking somewhere along the lines of like thirty-five to twenty-four or something. Thirty-five, twenty-one. Again, I, I, that there's not the numbers in front of me talking about just with the heart. I I. I don't like betting over 57 though. That's that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like that's a tough number to bet the over on, especially with how volatile this this Cleveland team has been all season. I know they've played in bad weather and wind and all that stuff, but um isn't there a couple scenarios here where the Chiefs score 30 points and the Browns score under 20? Yeah, oh yeah. It's yeah. just the problem is 10 and a half points is a lot, right? Like you're talking about a touchdown. If you gave me nine and a half, yeah, all right, that's fine. But now, ten and a half, you're moving through a key uh, key number. That's it's tough, Matt. That's a tough one on both sides of this one, the spread and the total. So. Well, you know, we talked about it last week with the ten and a half point spread with New Orleans and Chicago, and I felt much more confident about that size spread for that game because the quality of team is just so different. And, you know, the Chiefs yeah. may just blow the Browns out of the water, like we just said they're a scenario. But the way that the offenses are playing compared to the way that the Kansas City defense played at the end of the season, I don't think it's the most likely scenario. Robert Morelli says the Chiefs are covering two teams in history have played in the playoffs with a negative point differential. This Browns team is one of them. All right, tell me this. Figure this out and get back to me. Who was the other team? What were the results? And um, I don't know. I guess the negative differential thing, that is not good at, at no, all. No, that isn't. But um, and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm not a Browns fan. I was a Browns fan while they sucked, and I said they were making the playoffs this season. Uh, I also said they'd win their division, but 
You can't win them all. I said the Browns make the playoffs. This is finally their year. I have not been on the bandwagon up until this season, so I will take the W there. But uh, I, I, I'm now like not a fan of them because now they're good. You know, I was yeah, because the hype. Good. <laughs> and I, now I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan. I, I'm a Dolphins fan, other than the Eagles. Yeah, uh, I think fundamentally, yeah. Sorry, just to close no, this one ahead, out, the the Chiefs have. Over the course of the regular season, if you look at the advanced metric, the value of every play in every game, the Chiefs have the 19th worst defense in terms of efficiency this year. That really isn't strong. I mean, it isn't the absolute worst, but when you're talking about Cleveland being the 23rd worst defense, the only reason the Chiefs were saved from that negative point differential, of course, is because of the prowess of Patrick Mahomes and the offense. We're all talking about all these factors that lead to shootouts. Yes, the Vegas total is high, but boy, offense should come a plenty in this game. I agree. Final thoughts on uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire in the backfield. I'm avoiding unless it's large field tournaments. I don't know if he's healthy and we just haven't seen running backs from the chiefs be valuable this year. All right. Tampa Bay and new Orleans. Here we go. Last game. This one's difficult for a number of reasons. This is something you and I were talking about before we got started on the show. Um, <clears throat> Tampa Bay, three point road dogs, 52 point total. And you know, the big thing here, number one, Ronald Jones is questionable. He's not practicing. He appeared to have that pregame quad injury, I think it was. But then I saw all these other rumors out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, but take it with a grain of salt, that, you know, he he did something that got him in the doghouse or some nonsense. But I, honestly, if that's the case, then either you don't value him at all or you were so confident that you would win this game that you didn't need him. Uh, and let's be fair, this Washington team – put up a, a pretty good fight. And, sure and uh, Taylor Heineke, I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Probably a flash in the pan, if we're being completely honest. But, uh, you know. Even I if it was, he, though, just from a pure football perspective, hats off to that team for yeah. fighting. You know, they got a, you know, I, I'm a Washington-born uh, person, so I have a little bit of homerism there. I don't usually root for them as much these days, but it was really fun to just see them hold hold steady. And, and by the way, remember that the – Bucks last last week were 10, 10 point favorites, and Ronald Jones was the expected starting running back. You said this already on the show. Fundamentally, that starting running back is valuable. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. And Matt, it was just a fun game to watch. Like that was a fun game to watch. The that pass corner end zone, a beautiful pass to oh, Cam yeah. Sims, uh, Heineke rushing for that touchdown, uh, just getting inside the pylon. Tom Brady throwing for. 381 yards. You know, listen to his passing totals over the last four games, 381, 399, 348, and 390. He's thrown multiple touchdowns at all of them. He's averaging 330 passing yards per game since week 10. Uh, he has been lighting the world on fire. Now it's our job to try and figure out where the ball is going to. Uh, one thing I mentioned to you before the show is if you look at Mike Evans and Godwin and Brown, they're all having some really big games recently but their market, their target shares are all below 20% because the ball gets spread around so much. But their yards per route run are through the roof, all of them north of two since week 10. That's a pretty good number. Uh, Tom Brady has been just nailing everything uh, on the football field, of course. 300-plus <laughs> yards in, in almost every game, getting the uh, deep ball. Average yards per yards per attempt is, is insane. Like, I don't really need to continue here. My point is that sometimes – you sacrifice yards per attempt for targets. Take Ben Roethlisberger and Deontay Johnson. Uh, in this case, you are and, and target share, of course. 
in this case, you're kind of sacrificing a concentrated target share for this massive blow-up potential that we've seen from them almost every week. So your analysis is important here against the, or against the Saints defense that has looked very good in both phases of the game. What do you do with Tom Brady and company? Hey, I think that was a great breakdown. And Thanks, yeah, when bro. you go a level deep, when you go a level deeper, it is tough to parse out these receiving options. One, because they're all so talented, win fully healthy. And it was glad I was glad to be wrong about Mike Evans. He played well last week. Godwin, not so much. But like you said, Tom Brady is sacrificing large target shares to any one of these players, understanding that he can be efficient by just choosing the best matchup at that particular play and it's led to great numbers he's number one over the last five weeks and expected points added per play that's the advanced metric i look at for the value of each and every play from a quarterback better than josh allen better than aaron Rodgers, better than lamar jackson so you can't say enough about 87 year old tom brady and the way that he's played this year that said now let's dig a little bit deeper into these three wide receivers. Mike Evans is the highest salary of the three, just barely at 6,400 on DraftKings. That's fifth amongst wide receivers. Godwin just below him at 6,100. That's sixth among wide receivers. Antonio Brown is third in that group. He's not that far behind in salary at 5,400. That's ninth among wide receivers. And so just from a value perspective, when I look at Antonio Brown being sixth in expected fantasy points per game over the last five weeks and ninth in salary, that's the first place I'm looking just because it's a little bit of a salary saving option. And we've already talked about how I like some of these high price options in Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs and some of these high price quarterbacks. So just that little bit of savings from 6,100 for Godwin or even higher for Evans to Antonio Brown is something that's in, it, very appealing for me. He had a touchdown last week. Uh, touchdowns in week 17 as well he really is coming on strong in the second half of the season uh so that's my first place i'm gonna go godwin had in my opinion one of his worst games as a pro last week just a dropaholic last week and, and just just you know almost seemed like he got in his head a little bit yeah. which you never want to see from a star player but I'm going to say that it's a fluke still. He's still third amongst wide receivers on the slate in expected fantasy points, which is better than Mike Evans. So if I'm looking at the second best, I think I'm moving up to Godwin. And it's really hard to put Evans third because I love him too. And there's a lot of reasons to say that, you know, there's a lot of scenarios where Mike Evans comes out as the highest scoring wide receiver in this group. But when you expect the possibility of seeing Marshawn Lattimore more than the other two receivers and the possibility that the ball just goes elsewhere to these other high quality options, Evans is my least favorite of the three. I also will say this, even with all of the great quarterbacks on this slate, I don't mind saying, okay, I don't know where the ball is going, but Tom Brady will put up points. And I know that the running backs are not going to get it done against the New Orleans rush defense. So I'm just putting Tom Brady at quarterback and seeing how the rest of my lineup plays out from there. Yeah, Marshawn Lattimore probably going to shadow Mike Evans again. And this has been a matchup in the past that has really frustrated Mike Evans. I mean, we've mm -hmm. seen him be ejected from games uh, because of this matchup and, and really struggle against him. This season, he has... In two games, five receptions on 10 targets and I think one touchdown, 64 yards, 66 yards total in two games. But Lattimore has not had a particularly good season. So uh, final thoughts on Evans. Do you, do you look at this matchup at all saying he will likely shadow him again? Tom Brady has a lot of other options. Or do you say, well, Lattimore just hasn't been that great this year, so what does it matter? 
Well, I will say this. I just talked about how he's the third best value of the three. Right, sure. But then I looked at some of the advanced metrics, and I'm noticing that the Saints have actually struggled much more than other positions against wide receiver ones down the stretch. Now, whether that's Lattimore being injured, not playing as effectively as he always has, or possibly that they're putting him on number two receivers and then relying on secondary receivers or bracket coverage to stop number one options, seeing that the Saints were second worst on the slate in fantasy points allowed over opponent averages really shocked me. That's really the biggest plus for Mike Evans that I have. But then we're still looking at a player in Evans who's fifth in expected fantasy points and fourth in points per game and just fifth in salary. So if you just look at a player that fundamentally, he's not a bad bet. The Osmo projections have him just under salary-based expectations as the seventh best wide receivers. And I still think that we've talked about some of the solid value plays, even at that level. But to say that Evans is a bad play is absolutely wrong. Sure. Man, it's just tough to classify who's the wide receiver one on this team. Like, you know, I yeah. that there's they're all I mean, yes, it is Evans. I understand that, but Brady just has unlimited options to go pretty much anywhere he wants. Uh, I don't want to go too long on this show, Matt, but I will ask you this. Any other guys, Brait, Gronkowski ran 18 routes last week, only had one target. Cameron Brait put in all the bulk of the work at the tight end position. Uh, is there anyone else here, and what are you doing with the ground game? Yeah, I think Brait might just be healthier right now, but I think he had a higher snap share than Gronk as well. So uh, Gronk is a really thin play, especially when you talk about him being the sixth highest salary tight end. His name brand is still holding him up a little bit. The Osmo projections have him just inside the top 10. I'm not thrilled to play either player. If we hear that Ronald Jones is still struggling with injury, we could play Leonard Fournette. It's fine just because we think that there's going to be enough value there. But I just want to remind fantasy gamers that the Bucks and the Saints defenses have been absolute studs against the rushing games over the last five games of the season. They're giving up nearly six points below opponent averages. And it's not that Fournette has been bad in terms of his efficiency. He's actually two points per game over expectation over the last five weeks. But boy, the matchup is bad. And they've been the Saints defense has been worse against the pass. And we like the passing game better. So I'm just going there. Okay. Anything else on the uh, Tampa Bay side? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, we can roll over to New Orleans. All right. So we'll start with Alvin Kamara, and we'll talk about Michael Thomas as well. Uh, I, I actually let's do the let's start with the passing game and Drew Brees. He's not the same as he was. I think we can all agree there. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense, like you said, they played well. Their ground game, their, their ground defense, though their run defense has been virtually unpenetrable uh, in most cases, but. Alvin Kamara is pretty good, and uh, I guess this is one of those games it's kind of difficult to analyze from that standpoint because it could uh, evolve into a shootout, but it also wouldn't shock me if it's one of the lower-scoring games and goes under. But it's a four-point or 52-point total, and the Bucks are three-point dogs on the road. It should stay close. Does Drew Brees have enough left in the tank to give us another solid outing? Yes, he does. Is it the best bet on the slate, especially with these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks on the AFC side and the fact that Tom Brady has been so efficient? It's hard to get to. Now, Baker let's or talk, Breeze? Uh, for Breeze. I mean, it's just hard to get no, to. No, no, no. Who do you like more, Baker or Breeze? Ooh. This week. Mayfield, because of the, because of the matchup. Me. I feel like I'm going to regret that decision because all we've seen this season is the Saints have the Bucks number. And here we are talking about the Bucks offense and how – you know how they're pretty much unstoppable 
But then again, we saw them stop twice by this New Orleans team. And we feel like we can contextualize it, right? Because the first was the first game of the season, Brady's first team with the Buccaneers and no preseason games. And then I believe it was Antonio Brown's first game with the Buccaneers. And it almost had this preseason feel when the Saints came to Tampa Bay and absolutely demolished the Buccaneers in the middle of the season. So I feel like I'm underestimating Drew Brees, especially when he has Michael Thomas back at basically the healthiest he's been all season. And with Alvin Kamara, regardless of what he does in the running game, expected to be open for plenty of short dump off passes. And we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. So can Drew Brees deliver a great performance, especially as the sixth highest salary quarterback? Absolutely. But if you talk about median projections, I really just see him as a player who's in line with salary base expectations. I, I don't see a lot of boom potential in this matchup. I think he does have the ability to score, but I'd rather get the skill position players, uh, save that salary and get the skill position players elsewhere. I uh, I see some comments about Deontay Harris in chat, but with Traquan Smith activated from the IR, does he not eat into any real opportunities that Deontay Harris saw last week? Or do you think Deontay Harris is still the one that, it gets that you know secondary work behind Michael Thomas. If you feel confident Deontay Harris is really better than Traquan Smith, I don't have a great feel for this. 11 expected fantasy points over the last five weeks with almost four points scored over expectation for Deontay Harris. He's playing well. He's playing well, but I, as I said, I really think contest selection matters here because if you're playing a large field tournament, I think a player like Deontay Harris or even Traquan Smith makes some sense here because they're going to be so contrarian and barely owned at all. But boy, it's thin. It's really thin. And, and, you know, the Buccaneers are still one of the better teams against auxiliary wide receivers, giving up a point under opponent averages per game over the last five weeks. Okay. Um, Anything else in the passing game, Jared Cook, Michael Thomas, any, anybody else here before we close the show out with Alvin Kamara uh, and the backfield for the saints? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did some calculations to see how Taysom Hill's work as a tight end compared to the low-end quarterbacks on the slate. And it's funny, Taysom Hill, in terms of expected fantasy points, comes butting up right against Jared Goff, the lowest quarterback. So I actually heard on one of the Awesome shows earlier in the week that someone off the wall in a large, the largest field tournaments, like the Millie Maker, playing Taysom Hill. Oh, it's not a great play, but you could do it and be different from the rest of the field. I still think that Jared Cook is too expensive as the fourth highest salary tight end, but the Osmo projections do have him right in line with expectation. The value receiver I like the most, it's still Emmanuel Sanders. I think the 16th highest salary for him, 4,500 on DraftKings is a really solid bet. And he's inside the top 15 in expected fantasy points. So if you're not going Thomas or Kamara, Sanders is still my bet. All right. Taysom Hill did not practice yesterday either. So, oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, he's, got, he's got he's a nursing a knee injury, so that's worth paying attention to. So, okay, we're just real quickly here with, with Alvin Kamara. I want to get I want to add a little context to this. First of all, Latavius Murray also didn't practice yesterday. Uh, he pulled up at the end of the the game and or at the end of the third quarter and had that quad injury. I think it was that could hold him out this game. If, if that does, I think that's really significant because let's say this is a neutral game script or, or they're playing with a lead. Latavius Murray will get some opportunities. He was even targeted twice last game, had four touches or six touches, but I think 
there are opportunities for more than that, and I'd like to avoid that. So uh, stay tuned for more information on him. But as far as Alvin Kamara goes, he is the most expensive running back by a wide margin. Then you have Jones and Chubb and Dobbins and Akers and Singletary and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, does Alvin Kamara become a priority for you? Because uh, he's going to be tough to get to in these these uh, Kansas City stacks. And, and, and I, I think he's a great, great play. But I'm not convinced that he is a must play on this slate. Tell me why I'm right or wrong. You're, I'm going to tell you why you're right here. Now, in cash games or small field tournaments, I think. Sorry, I'm talking tournament. Yeah, large right. field tournaments. In small field tournaments, even you you could say that 100% Kamara isn't a bad bet if you're if you're making multiple lineups. But I think in large field tournaments, there's a ton to be said about fading Alvin Kamara, and I know that's really scary. We've seen a six touchdown performance from him for God's sake, so we know what the ceiling is, and fading that type of ceiling. Uh, is always really scary as a DFS player, especially when you're talking about a running back who's number one on the slate and expected fantasy points, number one on the slate and fantasy points over expectation, number one in points per game, number one in ownership, and number one in Osmo's median projections. That's a lot of positive notes for Alvin Kamara this week. Some negatives, though, the Buccaneers defense over the last five weeks, that includes the playoffs, has been the absolute best defense against running backs from a fantasy perspective. That's schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're giving up six points under opponent averages. Yeah. And guess what? Even if you apply that to Alvin Kamara's expected fantasy points, he still comes out as the top expected point running back on the slate. There's a ton to love here. And with all that said, I think if I'm playing exclusively large field tournaments, I might be fading him entirely and just trying from a game theory perspective to move my lineups when my lineups do well against the most people in that field. So really scared to do it. Obviously opportunities to play him in smaller field and cash, but I think Kamara being faded in large field tournaments makes a ton of sense. You know, what the scariest part about a Kamara fade is I'll tell you right now. And I agree with everything you're saying. But the scariest thing is, if you have a great Saturday, you have to wait 24 hours to figure out whether or not that Camara fade made any sense if you're playing that four-game <laughs> slate. Because he's the night game on Sunday. Uh, that's going to suck. 640. But that's awesome, I don't disagree. Though, right? I think it makes sense. <laughs> we'll see, man. Anyway, guys, stick around uh, throughout the day. We got a ton of great stuff coming up. ton of NBA content. You just saw the strategy show with uh, Adam Kaufman and Josh Ingleman. But you have the NHL strategy show. Hockey is back, baby. And if you want to get a full week for only $3 on the site, projections, ownership, top stack tool, all of that great stuff at Osimo. You heard about all the other stuff I, we're, we're doing for every other sport. But if you're in the hockey, you want to get into it, you think maybe there's some money to be made. There is. Uh, and you enjoy it. Or you just want to check it out for $3. Use the promo code Gretzky. Uh, you know how to spell it at awesome.com slash promos. It'll get you the full week, everything we have for NHL for only $3. Jake Hari has some amazing content and uh, Alex Baker's tools and all of that great stuff. Check the strategy show out at 3 p.m. Eastern today. Then the NBA deeper dive at 5 p.m. Followed by live before lock for NBA taking you up to 7 p.m. Tip off with Spags and Greg Ehrenberg. 
That'll do it for us, guys. Before you head out, we'd appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 50K. Be sure to follow Matt at Draftaholic, myself at Laffy underscore D. And thanks, as always, to our boy Jordan Klein for producing this show. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. More NFL content on the Strategy Show.